Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. So hey, welcome back to another episode of our Unveiling Grace podcast. We are so excited you're with us. We're excited to do it. My name is Joel Grote, and with me is... Lynn Wilder, and we're not alone today. No, we have a guest again. It's always so much fun. I know. I love this. I've known Ray for a little while, not really well, but I'm excited to kind of draw out his (laughs) story today. This is Ray Link. And he's from the Indianapolis area. Yeah. Ray was once in performance-based religion and has found a relationship with Jesus. But we're going to explore the details of that. Yeah, today. it's so much fun to hear people's stories. So, hey, Ray, thank you so much for being with us on the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> and awesome. um, before we get into it, just want to say, like we always do, you can find all the podcast episodes on unveilinggracepodcast.com, and. If you haven't yet, we'd encourage you to head on over to iTunes. You can leave us a rating, leave a review there. You can catch the episodes there. You can subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a single one um, because that helps us. It helps the people who are looking for us. And Mm -hmm. man, at this point, we've still got a five-star review going. So if you're going to give us less than five stars, don't wreck that. Just never mind. No. (laughs) Um, Anyway, we love love hearing from our listeners, and um, Lynn and I read all those, and they're so encouraging. Yeah, we came from performance-based religion. We like those stars. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, Ray, start us off. Or Lynn, what do you want to ask Ray to start with, since you know him better than I do? Yeah, well, Ray, tell us about growing up in performance-based religion. I was born into Mormonism. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're okay with naming names. We okay. cover lots of different groups. <laughs> okay. So okay. I think I think by now people know we're not picking on them. It's just yeah, whatever people's spiritual context is. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, well, um, so I grew up. Um, I, my grandfather had, um, you know, was the one that was converted um, before I was born. When my dad was, um, you know probably younger than his mission so because he went on my dad did go on his mission so it's okay it's like third generation uh actually was baptized in the church it but i never really um even though we went every sunday i never really like got it i never really was um i was always like you know on one side of my brain i'm like this can't be this can't be true this can't be real because you read the book of mormon and the things that it says um, okay, so like, at what age were you when when those starts start coming in? Is that like um, that was late that was like teenage years? It was after I had been baptized. Um, okay, wow. It was really it was really a unique um, situation for me because Grandpa was the one that baptized me, and um, he had explained to me a lot of things. You know, we always we would talk, and mm-hmm. um, he would always answer all my questions, and I thought I was asking the right questions. Go to school, and everybody else is saying something that's a little bit different. Okay. So did you have many Mormon friends growing up then? In, uh, in school, no, I did not. Okay. I actually was probably the only one that I knew in school. You grew wow. up around here then in, in Indiana? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 
Well, that's tough in, in just in its own right, no matter where, whatever your religious context is, to be Probably the only one. Probably the only, yeah. My kids here in Indiana were the only Mormons in their school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Mormonism, you're like they don't they don't think the cross was a good thing, and I always right. was the opposite. Like I always really? thought that the cross was a wonderful thing. And my dad would always say no, but then I would go to church and we would never have a cross. Like everybody, all the other churches have crosses or, right. you, know, yeah. sim, you know, and they were like, well, you know, we don't, my dad would always tell me, well, we don't have a cross because the cross meant, you know, that's where Jesus died. And so it was bad. Okay. But I always was under the, you know, I always would think, well, the cross had to have been a good thing because he did die because he did, he gave him up, you know, he came back for us. Right. Or because his blood was shed, that's where you know, the goodness comes from, whether without the cross, then there's nothing. Okay. And so... What in the world gave <laughs> you that insight so early? Were there other Christians in your life? No, no, it was, it had, it was totally God. It had to have been. Wow. Um, it's like God, God has a finger on your life and your heart from <laughs> really? a really early yeah. age. And so, um, okay. and then, you know, we would always go to the Nauvoo pageant every year. Okay, oh, we sure. did too. <laughs> probably and, uh, saw you there. Probably. One of my baby's blankets caught fire one time from the fireworks. Oh, really? The <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, my grandma and my aunts were all in it one time. In it at one point, one okay. one year they were in it. And but anyway, um, and I never really understood that because it was all about man. It was never, you know, it didn't ever seem like it was about who the church says that they're about. Yeah. Um, and so, like, all these things that my brain is going through, I'm just, like, there's there's just, you know, I just never really could put my put my trust in it. And then when you would go to school, you would hear other things. You know, people would say, oh, well, you're the Mormon kid, and then this is what they believe, this is what they believe. And, you know, I went to a, a really biracial school. I mean, I mean, it okay. was, like, they would always say, well, you guys don't like black people. Well, I do. Like, you mm-hmm. can't, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, but... Then you then you go and ask your dad why, and then he reads the scripture or the scripture, but the the Book of Mormon verse that says that. Yeah. Right. Twenty six uh, of them. And then it's really it's really you know it breaks your heart, and then you really uh, ask questions, but then they don't have answers for you, and so then I started to just totally ignore and not even ask questions anymore, and not do not talk about it, just totally just you know they want me to go to church, I'll go to church and I'll just hang out, okay, and not listen. So, like, by what age then are you kind of checking out from? Um, so this is probably so I, I would probably say when I was thirteen. Okay. Yeah. Was your dad not involved in the church? That grandpa was so big in your life. Grandpa was. Um, dad was. He wasn't ever called to do. Okay. Like big things like grandpa was like the genealogy. I don't remember what they called him, but oh, he did like uh-huh. the, family history. Specialist or yeah, something. I can't yeah, remember, okay. but Grandpa uh-huh. always had callings, and uh, but Dad never really did a lot of things in the church. Okay, and the, like the things like he would do, um, the things that they would hand out in the mornings. What I can't remember what they call those. Um, oh, the, bulletin. yeah, like the, the bulletins. bulletins. Yeah. He would always do the bulletins, but then they he would they would always tell him that he's doing it wrong. Okay. And so then he quit doing that. So then he quit doing anything because he wasn't. He felt like he wasn't ever able to live up to their expectations. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. That happens. Which turns out to be a blessing in your life. Uh, yeah. Right? Right. Not right. to have a father putting that pressure yeah. on you. So what about yeah. your mom? Yeah. Like when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there. I mean, did she have callings? Was she involved? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. My stepdad. 
he was the I can't remember what he did, but it was like home teaching maybe. Okay. Like I can't remember what I don't remember exactly what, but I know like it, we we were involved with home teaching a lot, and so I'm assuming it was something to do with that. I can't remember. I didn't live with my stepdad and, and real mom, so I didn't really get that too much of that interaction. It was only on every other weekend and. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got it. So then, what is your kind of spiritual trajectory from like 13 or so as you're checking out, like on through high school, post high school? What's going on with you then? Middle school was still like somewhat like quiet. I was quiet mm-hmm. through middle school. And then when we got into high school or when I got into high school, it was like uh, with friends that, you know, led us into or led me into like partying and, you know, doing things that we shouldn't do. But it was, yep. I think in my mind, it was like. Well, this isn't going to work. You know, Mormonism wasn't going to work. And nobody wants to answer my questions. Yeah. And if they so, do, they're not real answers. So, so if this isn't legit, I might as well have fun. Right. I might as well hang out with people that, yeah. Yeah. But did you believe in God at that point, do you think? I would probably, no. I don't know, because, like. You were ignoring it, maybe. Yeah. It was more <laughs> of a, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just wasn't on the radar. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, it was like, I never even thought of it. Because yeah. then my parents never really forced me to go to church in high school because I was driving and I would always work okay. on Sunday and that and they was okay. were and, and since they weren't super active at that point then mm-hmm. it was fine okay if our son's not going to be active as long as you weren't into something that was too destructive or too correct then they were like okay let him go yeah um, yeah that's that's so pretty typical what did you do after high school then me and uh, my wife we had a baby in high school so in I was 19 I had just graduated so I didn't go to college, but I went into a workforce and just started working. Okay. Ah. So I had okay. like a couple of jobs. So you met your wife in high school. Mm-hmm. So high school sweethearts kind yes. of? Yes. Okay. And we're going to hear her story later on. So that'll be fun. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, then right, so then right out of high school, you guys have a kid. Did you get married? Or is this like before? Um, so we didn't get married until after. Okay. But that not, was part of, unusual. The, part, part of the rebel, part yep. of the rebelling against whatever. But you're still married, which is awesome. Yeah. 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 I think it's 16 years. And we know that because my son's 16, so it's it's easy for me. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Think about it. So, is your. So, was your. Well, I'm going to guess the answer is no, because at this point you've kind of ditched Mormonism. So, the odds of you connecting with a Mormon girl. So, she's non Mormon. Yes. What is her spiritual background at this point? Um, she grew her? up Presbyterian. Okay. Yeah. So she's traditional biblical yeah, Christian. And, yeah. Um, and when we started dating, she would always try to get me to go, but football was more important. Okay. So I didn't. That was like my excuse not to go was because football's on. Okay. And, and you so had to watch the game. I had to watch the game. Got it. And uh, so she and she would take um, Isaiah with her when they would go. She would go. Okay. Uh, with Isaiah. Um, that's a biblical name. Yeah, <laughs> it is. How cool is that? She picked that one, so. Yep. Um, so it, when did God start like shaking up your life for um, real? I want to say it was 2005. Um, I graduated in 2002, so three years. I was still in the car business, and I had a friend that was working with us, um, with me, and he invited me to church. And I don't. I never. I mean, I went. To my wife, you know, I went to the Presbyterian church a couple of times, but just never really, it was... Nothing really resonated. Yeah, it, so yeah. It, it felt like the same old, same old, so I just kind of just was like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he invited me to his church, um, and I still can't remember what church it was. 
uh, but I just knew he invited me. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, well, maybe sometime, you know, just kind of like the normal answer. Yeah. <laughs> just to get him to go away. But he was a good friend, so I didn't, you know, try to brush him off. But I can't remember how many years later it was, but we decided that we were going to move up to Noblesville. And um, we wanted to, and then we wanted to start going to church because my son had said something to my wife. Okay, about and he was like how old at this point? How old is Isaiah? Ten. He okay. was ten. Um, and so I was like, well, let's try it, but we're not going go to we're not gonna go to Tab, which was where she grew up. And so did you pick a church? Well, I did. I did. But <laughs> we were good. driving by a church, and I was like, well, that's the church that I got invited to. Oh, okay. All those years so that seed planted, and, yeah. But, right. <laughs> but come to find out, I saw, so it, is, it gets really weird. So I saw the, my friend in there, and I was like, yeah, you invited me back a couple of years ago. He's like, this church didn't even exist then. Oh, really? So it was really, wow. really, it was really a God thing. Because, number one, that church didn't exist when he invited me. And that he was there, and I saw him there. So yeah, it was and that really, you thought it was the church. Yeah. Yeah, well, the Holy Spirit works in some really <laughs> kind of strange, mysterious ways at times. He does, just so that you know that it's a personal thing that only you right. would figure out, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's those little God touches. Like I say, <sighs> there's I, so much in your stories, like God's just had his finger on like the top of your head okay Ray's <laughs> only gonna go so far and I'm gonna that's so cool and I'm gonna so, so you go to this church and did, yeah. did you connect um, so it was I really enjoyed it um, it it was different it, you yeah. know, it was dark and we you know they did you know they do uh, they were hand raising church you know we worship that way yeah mm-hmm. so it was really really so different. contemporary worship, <laughs> contemporary and, worship. Right? from the mormonism that even he, from yeah. even from the presbyterian church where they you know they had hymns and stuff it was way different than that so yeah. okay um so did your wife like it i mean was she cool she did do? okay yeah. good mm-hmm. Um, and did your son like it? I mean, because often that's the driving so, force. If the kid likes the church, the parents will keep coming back. So yeah, that was the that was the best thing is that they had a, they have a great kids program. They had a great kids okay. program there, and mm. um, so the kids loved it. And so we were like, well, we just we'll keep going back. And so and then um, the pastor challenged us to read our Bibles. Okay. Um, and so me and Stephanie had started reading our Bibles, and then. I had never really read the Bible before that, even when I was growing up, you know, because yeah. it just was, yeah. number one, it was new, it was the King James Version. It's really hard to read that and understand it. It um, is, yeah. So uh, I actually got an NIV and was reading out of that and um, sort of realizing like all these inconsistencies versus what the Book of Mormon was saying. And then I started realizing that why does the Bible say this? But then, right, know, the Book of Mormon says this, or Joseph Smith said this, and the Bible says this. Like, who's right? And then you're wondering, like, how can the Book of Mormon be more true than the Bible, or how can you add to the Bible when it says that the Bible was finished, the Bible was completed? Right. So yeah, when you start really getting into it, you start seeing all these little threads that, as you pull them, things start to unravel. Right. So at this point, where are you in terms of your own awareness of sin, need for Savior, need for grace? Is that just starting to? Um, so actually, uh, it took a little. It took a while longer. Okay. Um, I actually actually went to school. the ch- The church had a like um, 
a Bible school, Bible college. Sure, oh. Bible actually, Institute built into it. Okay, cool. Yep, and I actually went to that, and that's when I really, because they, they made us read every book, made us take notes on every wow. everything that we did. We had to take notes. Okay. And, um, and it was really awesome because the pastor that was leading that actually loved the Greek and Hebrew side. And so he would challenge us to actually read the, you know, find out what the Greek word meant or the Hebrew word meant. Right. So you're doing word studies. You're actually mm-hmm. getting into the depth and of, yeah. And that's when I really started realizing that, you know, the cross was a great thing. And then that took me back and I was like, that's what I've been looking for. But what's really cool is like you, when you read like Genesis mm-hmm. and you read it and you find yeah. out that God and, you know, God's in there. Then you read, you know, you you look and see how often like Jesus is there, the Holy Spirit's there, and then because if you read the original language, you find out that they say right. God, but it's actually it's a plural. Yeah, there's yeah, a plurality actually, there. Yeah, so mm-hmm. then you're like, well, that's really different than what I grew up learning because the Mormon gods were separate. Right. And there were lots and lots of them. They weren't a trinity. Yeah, and I never really believed. Like even even when we had started doing that, I never really. There was even more reason than that, that I believe the Trinity because you don't see it in Scripture until you actually look at the original language and see that they're all there at the same time. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and then so, it becomes clear as you work through the New Testament, and then you've got more mm-hmm. more clear teaching. Yeah. For instance, right from the creation, right, you've got right. Mm-hmm. all three members of the Correct. Godhood yes. there yes, mm-hmm. exactly. participating. Correct. Yeah. And then so you're then you're really like like that's did really way off from what we were learning and then how can that be this be true but this not be true when this is actually written by god yeah and then and they're opposites right mm-hmm. they are yeah. yes they are there's mm-hmm. a lot of yeah i reread a book by um it's called god breathe okay yeah um and that really opened my eyes to a lot of things too that's a book about scripture and why it's reliable, why Correct. it's trustworthy. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where I learned like all the meticulous things that the Jewish people did when they did do the translating or the but the the manuscript copying, the manuscript copying yeah. and everything like that. Yeah, it's that's a phenomenal area of study. Anybody you know, anybody if you want to be encouraged about the reliability of scripture, just start looking at all that went into preserving the manuscripts and all the different rules they had for copying so that they were precise yeah there are all kinds of scientific evidences that mm-hmm. prove the bible and manuscript it's called manuscript evidence so mm-hmm. search that term and um just the isaiah scroll from the dead sea scrolls right yeah. the most recent one we had before the isaiah scrolls was like 900 a.d and then we get the isaiah scroll from the dead sea scroll which before the time of christ and they're literally the like, same a thousand yeah, over years a thousand apart and they're like 99 percent you know yeah, there's accurate. like a few little like Be- ofs or loves and stuff like yeah. that Exactly because of what you just said, the Jews were so meticulous Mm -hmm. at copying that literally if they made three mistakes in a year, the whole manuscript was scrapped. So things being mistranslated or miscopied just... There's yeah, that's no myth. truth well, to that, that. Right. That was Joseph's, Joseph Smith's misunderstanding of what was happening with Scripture because mm-hmm. none of this stuff was available then. And so he's just going with even some common ideas of his day where they were questioning. But he had nothing to base that on, and yet mm-hmm. he begins to teach that and has yeah. led 
you know, millions of people astray undermine the confidence of the Bible. And yet if we have a God who's big, he certainly is able to keep his word together down through the ages. Yeah. Yeah. So at what point then do you make that kind of that crossover? And the scripture talks about being in Adam, being in Christ, being in darkness, being in light. Mm -hmm. At what point do you commit to Christ? At what point do you become an adopted child of God? What happens? I would probably say in the middle of that first year of that Bible school, we got baptized I think it might have been even before we went, I did the school, but, but yeah, it was like the true, I would say the true point was when I started doing all the research and then it just finally clicked mm-hmm. and was like, there's no way that there's anything else that's true. There's no way, you know, and it was, took me to do, you know, I had to do the research myself because I, I yep. have really mm-hmm. bad trust issues with that <laughs> and I have to do all the research on my own or I don't believe people. Right. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Given your background, right? Yeah. Somebody always trying to tell you. you know. Yeah. You, you still sit down with your parents and ask them questions, and they still don't really have all the answers. And then right. you still wonder why they believe what they believe, mm-hmm. but they don't really want to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, and that becomes a very wow. difficult thing. And really, it's a part of performance-based religion in that, if the religion and your performance within the system is what ultimately determines your spiritual state, your worthiness before God, you can't critically examine the religion. You can't step back and say, well, is this all true? Because if it's not, everything you've poured your life into, everything you're depending on for your right standing before God, now is like gone. Mm-hmm. Um, which is the amazing thing about grace, which is why we say, you know, come experience a grace that heals because grace not only performs you, not only frees you from the pressure of the performance, mm-hmm. but it opens your eyes to the fact that there is nothing I can do. Right. If I got what I deserved, I would get God's wrath and God's judgment. Mm-hmm. It's only because Jesus has taken that for me on the cross. I get to accept that as a gift of grace. It's wholly undeserved that's now where my standing so now i can look at anything mm-hmm. because it's not about how well i'm pulling it off um and my dad used to that was i always always my dad that and why do we believe grace after what we do versus grace period yes yeah and he would always say that's too easy mm-hmm. and it's like well we have a loving god why would it not be easy you know why but then, and on the other turn, then you're telling, then you're saying Jesus isn't enough. Right. And that's, exactly. re- that's really bad because he sent Jesus down here to be enough for us. Yes. Yeah. And so that's really where it's strange because you're like, you should see that. Yep. And why don't you? Well, and, I mean, all of us struggle with, oh, yeah. with pride, with self-reliance, and it really becomes a pride thing. Well, and it says God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. Mm-hmm. And so there has to be that becoming as a child where you humbly accept what God has. Um, and you have to say, I can't. I need, you know, quote unquote, easy. Um, <laughs> because there's no yeah. way I could do enough. Yeah. But yeah, a person's got to come to that. We'd be in trouble. <laughs> right. Yeah. If it was up to us, we'd be in a world of hurt. Yeah. 
So Micah always says when that uh, Baptist pastor told him from the Bible how you were actually saved, he said, I, I kind of yelled at him and said, that's too easy. Mm -hmm. It's a yeah. very yeah. cheap grace. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. Performance based religion calls it cheap grace. Oh, you just want to say you're saved and then you can go out and live like hell. You know? Yeah, which is it's, actually the opposite of what what you read in the Bible. Right. It's because of grace I live this way. Exactly. So. Yeah. And grace is what frees us to truly come to that point. Um, well, we're kind of at time. Um, this has been great. Yeah. I have so, so many more questions. Yeah. Well, we're gonna do a, we're gonna do a segment with you and your wife. Yeah. So maybe when we get to that segment, we can maybe do a little follow up and we can pull out some more details. But thank you so much, Ray, for thank being you. with us, saying your story. It's always great to see God keeping His hand on people's lives from sometimes a very young age, and mm. even through a time where you kind of walked away and were disinterested in mm. God. He's still there, right. and he works to bring you back to himself. That's um, that's great. And probably when we talk to two of you, we'll talk about what happened even in your marriage relationship mm -hmm. as you guys move along. Because okay. I'm sure there was probably some healing there that Grace yeah. brought. So, But that'll be another story, and, <laughs> and we'll get to hear your wife's side. So, yes. Thank you so much. Thank and, you. And to our listeners, thanks Grace for being a part of the podcast. and peace. Grace and peace. Until next time. Well, if you're a regular podcast listener, then you know we actually aired Ray and Stephanie's joint story last week, episode 51. If you missed it, definitely take a listen. It was a candid, humorous, and touching story of how God brought them together and how grace not only touched their lives individually, but touched their marriage as well. So thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's totally free. That way you won't miss a single episode. You can do that on iTunes or also by going to our podcast website, unveilinggracepodcast.com. And if you've been touched, helped, or encouraged in any way by the podcast, Lynn and I would love to hear from you. You can write to us using the contact form available at unveilinggracepodcast.com. Thank you for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. Join us next time for another conversation devoted to helping your life and relationships flourish. As always, you can find show notes, program transcripts, and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. For a limited time, we are offering the Wilders book, Seven Reasons We Left Mormonism, for a donation of any amount. Go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free book button to request yours. We greatly appreciate your support for the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals. Mm -hmm.